RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Well, hello, Devils fans, and welcome to the newest edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm Matt Lachlan, joined by, as I just found out in a recent episode of Speak of the Devils, the A-team, <laughs> Sam Kassan and Amanda Stein. I think that was the Sam Cosentino <laughs> podcast, if I recall. So what's that all about, guys? Busted, Good to see Sam, you. Good to spend busted. some time with you. <laughs> Yeah, I thought we could slip that in there without Maddie noticing, but he's he's a hawk. He's on top of everything. I we were just better. pumping each other's tires, man. Yeah, it was just I, it was a hype house. It was a hype I, house thing. <laughs> I like it. And by the way, kudos to both of you and our entire content team. I was there on Friday for the first round, but not there on Saturday for rounds two through seven, that long march from late morning into early evening. But not just the amount of time that you and the others of the content team put in. But the volume and quality of work with the interviews, with the players, uh, memes and behind the scenes and so much that went on. What a what a great two days for our group, for you two in particular, and for the Devils organization. It's funny because it's a lot of hours, you know, and like that day two is, you know, it's a little bit painful because there's so much time in. Between. I think you turned 98, you tweeted. Yes, like I tweeted. I'm like, oh, we've hit round four. I am now 98 years old. <laughs> um, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Um, you know, I was just so proud of our entire content team. Everybody sort of working back in the office. And this is the first time in almost like two years that we've all been able to like be at an event all together working. Um, and by being at an event, just like in our content hub. Um, so it was a lot of fun to finally get back in that rhythm. And I mean, the people seem to like what we're doing, so why not continue to do it? And kudos also to the the great PR staff, Pete and Nick, for everything they did, the access they had, getting the players. And, you know, it's, we can only do so much from the content end if you don't have the access to the GM and all those guys. So it really was a complete team effort on everyone's behalf. Indeed. And the Devils do a wonderful job of, allowing us inside. Not every team grants that access. And it's just a, a, another example of what this organization is all about. So we know who the picks are now. We didn't know going into Friday. We knew there'd be a high-end player at number four, and there was a second first-round pick, and then on into day number two. So no surprises as who, who's on the devil's list, but just want to start with you, Sam, then follow up, Amanda. What was going through your head as the draft starts and Owen Power goes to uh, Buffalo and Matty Beniers goes to Seattle, form is holding, and now Anaheim's on the board. 
and the devils are figuring out, all right, what are we going to do based uh, on what Anaheim does? Maybe steal our players. So what, what were you thinking? I was a little surprised McTavish went that high, not to say that he's not worthy of being the number three selection, but just of all the people we spoke to, of all the mock drafts, of all the, the quote unquote experts, you know, that had their boards up, it was, it was looking like it was going to be a Simon Edvinson, maybe even a, a William Eklund, a couple outliers or maybe a Dylan Gunther, but nobody, I don't think anybody on their boards had McTavish going that high and, and he may very well be deserving of that, that slot, but, I think when that went, that was the first moment where you're like, okay, this is starting to get interesting. Because I knew, we knew going in, the top 10 players separate themselves from the rest of the pack. So you knew the top 10 prospects were way better than there was a little bit of a drop off for the rest of the crew. And the, the thought was, well, after the 10, things are going to get wild. Well, apparently it started at number three. Uh, the Devils, of course, brought things back to form with their selection. But I, I was a little su- surprised by that. And uh Hey, that's that's the unpredictability of the draft, and maybe maybe Anaheim knows something that the rest of us don't. So when the Devils were just about to be, as they say, on the clock, I was in Prudential Center where all the fans were gathered. Maddie, you were there, and I was thinking to myself, as Tom Fitzgerald and his staff were walking out onto the stage, they better pick Luke here because <laughs> because that is you know, and not because it's what the crowd wanted, but I feel like it would have been a very interesting moment caught if it wasn't Luke. Um, you know, there were Luke signs and chants of we want Luke and all that. So that was like my first initial thought. I was like, I mean, I didn't know who we were going to pick. So I was like, oh, I hope for Fitzy's sake that that's the way they've you know landed in the end. And um, they did. It was an awesome moment. And just a great moment that is, you know, for the Devils franchise. Also for, you know, the Hughes family. Without a doubt, third brother to be selected in the top 10. Number one overall, Jack, Luke, number four. And I guess they both have real bragging rights on Quinn, who slipped down in his draft year. And there was some talk that Luke might have slipped down. It was funny how how the draft process works. And you wonder who is feeding information to whom. Uh, There are so many people who spend an inordinate amount of time. I'm talking about media members who just watch junior and college hockey. And then suddenly players seem to fall in and out of favor. And you wonder, is there someone on a team kind of saying, you know, here's a flaw. Think about this. Uh, Just how it, because McTavish went racing up the boards late. He was always considered a really good player, but for him to move to third and then, you know, would Luke stay at four, but Luke was the pick. It just uh, really, it was a good moment. The crowd loved it. Uh, And then of course the reaction of the family was was pretty Doesn't good. I love better than that. You can't. I love the video. Right, first, you know, we'll get to it a little bit more with Jack uh, being involved, uh, certainly, and so excited. And gosh, I, I think he's still shaking. You know, <laughs> as he was hugging his brother. But I love Jim. Use go back and look at the video. So the family's there, and the name gets mentioned, and Jack jumps up, and he's just shaking and hugging him. And Jim Hughes is sitting there. He's got his arms folded, I think, if I recall. And he kind of like leans to his left, like, what is going on here, boys? Just kind of looking at him, taking it all in as a proud dad. And of course, Ellen, their mom, was on the other side. And you know what, Maddie? Well. Like, you could tell that was Jim's chair. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that is his chair. You're right. <laughs> hey, out of dad's chair. Nobody this is else my spot. in that chair but Jim. Like, do you know what I mean? When you like go again, go back and watch it. You can tell that is Jim Hughes' chair. 
Oh, so very funny. I thought his reaction was great. But again, congratulations uh, to Luke Hughes and the entire Hughes family. But I think we have to make sure, and I think Tom Fitzgerald did a good job of it. This, this and, I, and when I interviewed Luke, I was like, hey, congratulations on joining your brother. But this is your moment. It's not yeah. Jack's moment. It's not Quinn's moment. It's not mom and dad's moment. I think that gets lost sometimes when you're talking about legacy players, right? Or legacy families, if you will. It does. Um, it certainly does because they're always tied together. Right. And no matter, you know, it's just like if a player was traded one for one at some point, right. Like if there's something like that, those players are inevitably always tied together. So for me, you know, it's just natural that there's that, like they're a competitive family. So you wonder, like, there's definitely that competitive element between element between the three of them, but they'll always be tied to that. But you're right, Maddie, you know, and that's something that I, specifically asked Tom Fitzgerald, I said, you know, Luke being picked at four is based on Luke's merit, not because of, you know, who his brothers are or what his bloodlines are in terms of his mom and her athletic ability and his dad, um, you know, and all the work that he's done in the NHL. And I think it's very important to recognize you're right, that this young man deserves his moment and he's getting it. He really is. He is. There will always, always be that attachment, especially with that video. <laughs> exactly. Like it was, Jack, that, unfortunately for Luke, will always be the star of that video. <laughs> but it's Luke whose star was on display on Friday, selected fourth overall by the New Jersey Devils. And even though Jack a couple of months ago made it clear if his brother's there, like you got to take him, right? We know where the family stood. We know where the fan base stood. But Tom Fitzgerald, as you mentioned, Amanda, wanted to make sure that the Devils fans understand this is about Luke Hughes. Did it feel good to say the words Luke Hughes to sort of move on from that first pick and give yeah. Luke his moment? Because as a youngest brother, you yeah. sometimes live in the shadows. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, living in the shadows and that family is probably easy to say, and it's probably true, but he's a tremendous hockey yeah. player on his own. And that was the most important thing. And really looking at what is his upside, and I'm going to take a chance on this kid because of how well and He's played so far, but also, he, I think he's got the highest upside of the draft. You know, the offensive ability of thinking. He's the youngest kid in the draft. You know, there's just so much more maturing he can go through. But I, I'll tell you, watching that vi video of, of the family and Jack jumping around was, you know, it gave me goosebumps. You know, Jack actually told Lindy that he was more excited about that than he was at his own draft. I mean, it looked that way, right? Like, there's no, like, denying yeah. that with the way yeah. that Jack reacted. So it is all about Luke Hughes, and why not? He's got size. He can skate like the wind, and the Devils have themselves a very good one. But as Tom Fitzgerald has said, Amanda and Sam, they're going to let this kid marinate a little bit. He's going to go to Michigan, and we may not see him in a Devils year, a Devils uniform for a couple of years, or at least until he's ready. Yeah, and actually one of the things that stood out to me is when he did his media availability, and I actually asked him about – going to Michigan next year with four guys essentially drafted in the top five picks, how excited he was. And you could see him perk up and get really excited right away. I mean, you could, you could tell he's just amped up to get to get to college and to compete for an NCAA title, a national title. So you could tell that's, that's big in his plate. And, and I, and I think somebody else asked him how long he thinks he needs to mature. And he obviously said at least one year, but he's looking at maybe two years and who knows from there, he's going to take it year by year. He did say if he goes and, is lights out after his freshman year and 
takes all the steps and markers that he needs to take, he'll consider it then. But I think in his mind, he's looking at two years and I don't know where management thinks, but obviously nothing better than developing in the college game, especially at that level of competition. Yeah. And it's, you know, exactly, Sam, it's the team that he's going to be on with the Wolverines. That's a huge asset to a young man, um, you know, developing, growing into his own body, honing his craft. What an extraordinary team and talent to be around for that. So that's, that's pretty neat. And I think one of the things that's, you know, a real good lesson that I think we've all learned and Maddie, you've been around the game a long time. So maybe it was easier for you to recognize this, but, you know, I think back to Ty Smith, um, everyone was so excited for Ty Smith, rightfully so when he was drafted in 2018, he came into his training, his first training camp. He was unbelievable. was one of the last cuts. There was so much disappointment for him in getting cut a couple of years in a row before actually making the NHL. Um, and having to go back and play junior. But I think it's such an important lesson that can be applied to the excitement around Luke Hughes, the desire to want to have him on the team, but the necessity of letting a young player develop at their own pace um, to where they're ready. And it's not, you know, not every team is lucky to have a Nico Heischer and a Jack Hughes who jump in right away. You're spoiled, right? You're spoiled with that. Most teams have to wait a year or two for their star, you know, their star drafted players to play in the league. So I think a Ty Smith example is a really good, um, I guess, lesson for when we're talking about Luke. And kind of going off of that, actually, a, a good, good story I can tell you guys and share with you. Hopefully I'll be allowed to share it. But uh, in Pittsburgh, I remember talking when Tom Fitzgerald was there as assistant general manager we talked about development of certain players. And at one of the development camps, there was this kid named Jake Gensel who was at development camp and really impressive. And a lot of the scouts were asking if he was going to make the team next year. And I had a conversation with uh, Fitzy later on, and he basically mapped out exactly the arc that he saw Jake Gensel taking. And that was, he was going to go back to college for one more year. He was going to come up, play in the AHL. And it was almost to a T. They were going to give him a, a call-up look in November send him back down. Then they're going to call up in January. And then he was going to be on the team and in the NHL for the rest of his career. And that, this was two years before all that happened. And it happened literally by the book, as Tom Fitzgerald said, and same thing with the goaltender, Matt Murray. It was a similar situation where he, he knew exactly like these guys know the development track and the development route, and they're not going to rush these guys until they're ready. And, and believe me, they've got this thing down to a science. It's, it's actually very impressive and amazing to see. Yeah. And if the devils can follow that path or Luke Hughes can follow that same path, you know, Jake Gensel's had a really good start to his career. Devils maybe have higher hopes. And I say that respectfully uh, regarding Jake Gensel, but uh, that's, it's, it's a good pattern for the devils uh, to follow here. And you know what? I think the one person who might have the hardest time waiting other than Luke is Jack because of the excitement that we talked about earlier. And I want everyone to listen now because I got a chance to sit down with via Zoom, obviously, um, with Luke right after he was drafted. He's sitting there in a Jack Hughes 86 Devils jersey. The tag's still on, might I add. And Mr. Jack Hughes himself is behind the camera and he just lets everyone know how excited he is. 
what does it mean to you and maybe your entire family, including your mom and your dad, that you and your two brothers are the first American set three brothers to go in the first round? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, such an honor. And I know that scream. <laughs> wow, that's, that's Jack, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's excited if you, if you can't tell, so... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, you know, honor. I mean, there's been some great families and, you know, some unbelievable players, um, you know, throughout, you know, the league's history. And, um, you know, our parents have pushed us so hard. And, you know, um, you know, it's a dedication to them because, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be here without them. And, um, you know, I mean, as the third brother, I think, you know, it, it's crazy, so... Luke Hughes, boy, he, he's so young, my and, goodness. And he looks it, too. Well, and just turning 18. But I like Jack. You know what? I'm thinking now, the last two times, basically, we've seen Jack, if you will. Uh, late in the season, he's interviewed after a game, and, 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 Ty, uh, and, Ty uh, and Ty Smith, and he's, like, having fun, and you see this personality, which Jack doesn't always show. He's confident, but you know, he didn't show that personality, that laugh, that smile, come on, get out of here, uh, you know? Uh, and then he showed it again on Friday night. So it, it's another step forward, I think, for Jack Hughes, because there's a, you know, clearly he's got that personality. Let's see a little bit more of it. He really does. He really has the personality. And I would agree with you completely, Maddie. We didn't see that right at the beginning of his career, even though it's still the very beginning of his career. But in his first year, he was very reserved. And you said he's confident. He's a confident kid and he will bet on himself any day and he'll publicly bet on himself. But there is, and I think, you know, you and I get this unique perspective because we've been fortunate to travel with the team. So you do get a different glimpse when you're not in sort of the locker room environment. And he's a funny kid. He's really funny, likes to have fun and just watching all these personalities grow together. You know, even when it comes to Ty Smith, right? Ty is a pretty even killed guy, except you get him in a, you know, a conversation with Jack, fun things happen. So it's really great to see the personality of this team really coming to like, you know, it, it's blossoming. So everyone's focused on number four and that's all they're talking about. Devils have number four, number four, who are they going to take? And they wind up selecting Luke Hughes. Oh, and by the way, they still have another pick in the first round. And I use as an example, 1982, they had two first round picks. Now I know I'm going way back. I was not there for it, but I am a student <laughs> of history. So the first first round pick that the Devils had that year was Rocky Trottier. Brother to Brian, Brian Trottier, yes. <laughs> the second first round pick, and, and, and Rocky flamed out after a while. The second first-round pick, though, was Ken Danico, and he had a pretty good career. Three, so he was, he's picks. all right. More more games than anyone else in the Devil Sweater. The point is, and I was saying to people, let's figure out who they're going to select as the second pick. Yeah, we think Luke's got a big trajectory, but that second pick in the first round could pay dividends too. So we'll see. Chase Stillman, what are the thoughts? Well, I can tell you the first thing that really stood out to me was the motor, nonstop energy. Uh, talk about a guy that just hits the ice running full steam ahead. And, you know, that's, that's something when Tom Fitzgerald was talking about areas that they wanted to address in this offseason, obviously defensive depth, finishing scoring. But one of the things he kept repeating over and over again was he wants the Devils to be harder to play against. And the guys that are hardest to play against are those guys like that that are just tenacious on the ice, uh, 
Tom Fitzgerald call them a dog on a bone mentality where they just attacking, attacking, aggressive, and almost to the point where you have to reel them in sometimes. But as a team, he said you'd rather reel them in than have to give them a kick in the rear to get them going. So I think he's going to bring that attitude. And then it's one thing to be tenacious and have that, but then to be able to score because he's got some pretty good hands and some pretty good finish too. So if you can get that combination, I think it's a deadly combination. And, and the one thing to look at too is the Devils didn't have a second round pick. So I think they really thought he was going to be gone by – the third round when they would be sucking again. So they really like this kid. They love, love a lot of his attributes. And, you know, when they talk about drafting players, this is the character they wanted. This is what a devil's player is. So they went ahead and took him. And, and I think it was a great pick. And he's, um, he's a very smart young man. That was one of the things that I really noticed in interviewing him, which is, you know, how I get most of my taste of who these players are and will become. He's very articulate. He has a very strong sense of confidence. And I think a lot of that really is to what another thing Tom Fitzgerald talks a lot about and we've talked about is those bloodlines. Um, he's been around the game his entire life. His dad played I think just over a thousand games. Corey Stillman won two Stanley Cups, one in Tampa and one in uh, Carolina. Carolina, yep, yep. yeah. And beat, he owned the Devils know, in route to that Stanley Cup championship. I didn't want to bring that part up. Okay. I didn't <laughs> want to bring that part up. That's on you, Maddie. No, but, <laughs> but all that to say, you know, Chase was only eight or nine when his dad retired from the game, but he still got so much experience in those eight or nine years of his life that you can't teach. You know, it has to be experienced, and only a select few people get that. He grew up around the game. He watched his dad. He watched his dad's teammates. He was in the locker room. Those are things that are really valuable um, that not everybody, like it's just by nature. It's just, mm -hmm. You either have that privilege or you don't. And he did. His brother Riley ended the season yep. with the Chicago Blackhawks. Grandfather played in the AHL. And as you mentioned, uh, his dad, a two-time Stanley Cup winner, very mature young man. And that yep. came through in his meeting with the media. Yeah, I love a lot of things he had to say. You can, as you, the man touched on being well-spoken, but it is an intangible thing that you can't really learn just being around the game and, and observing your dad's professionalism, observing the, the work ethic that he puts into, and even his brothers and, and having a father to lean on that's been in the NHL that can tell you, hey, you got to be better here. Hey, you got to be better there. And, you know, obviously he has his regular coaches as he's coming up through his own personal development, but it's not bad when your dad's an NHL former player and you can lean on him for some advice and he can give it to you. And, very similar players in that sense. And and one thing about Corey Stillman and Maddie, you can probably test this because you've probably seen him play a lot more than I did. I caught him towards the end of his career, but a very smart player. Like he wasn't the fastest player. He wasn't the biggest player, but he always seemed to be in the right place. He always knew his defensive assignments, knew where to be just a very smart cerebral player. You can't teach smarts. And the devils believe that that was handed down through the hockey IQ and chase. And I guess time will tell, but obviously if he's got that gene from his father, it's that's a great thing to have. Absolutely. And hockey IQ is one of the things, compete level, et cetera, that Tom Fitzgerald has told his scouts, this is what we're looking for. So uh, they got it in Chase Stillman. And here's what Chase had to say when he spoke with the media on Friday night. Chase, congratulations on being drafted. I'm sure this is a very exciting day for you and your family. So the obvious question is, what was that moment like when you hear Tom Fitzgerald say your name? Yeah, obviously it was a definitely a remarkable moment. Um, you know, kind of seeing those names go by and 
you know, you get a little bit worried at times, but, um, you know, as soon as you hear the Sudbury Wolves, then, you know, I kind of figured it was going to be myself. And honestly, it's just a huge, huge uh, relief. And um, I'm beyond excited. There's no really way to explain it. What were your conversations like with the Devils and what did you sort of know about the team? Yeah, we, we, we talked a couple of times. Um, you know, they were super comfortable to talk to. I talked to, you know, multiple people in the organization and, you know, they gave me a bunch of psych tests and stuff to do. So uh, I had I had a good feeling with those guys. And, um, you know, obviously at New Jersey is a great organization and, you know, they've done very well in the past uh, in the past years. And, um, you know, for me to throw on a Devils jersey here coming up, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. So my favorite part of that interview, guys, is when he, you know, when I ask him about meeting with the Devils, he, he just keeps going on about like having to take psych tests. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess you passed your psych test. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's not like one of the first things you hear, like a prospect say, like, you know, this is like, oh, they got to know me. His like first thing was like, well, you know, I had to do a lot of psych tests. <laughs> Maybe they think he's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very funny. Exactly. In a good way. No stone unturned when it comes to uh, digging into the to the profile and the background of the players. So that was Friday night. But before we, we leave Friday night, what I like about it, it, the pick, is that while it surprised a lot of people, because if you look at the lists and that's from anyone that we had on our various podcasts leading up to the draft or other media men excuse me, members, uh, you know, he wasn't a first round name that came up, but would be someone you would look for a little later. That being said, one of our guests, and he was with you last week, I think time just blends Sam Cosentino. We talked about it earlier, you know, the A-team, oh, the A-team had the, <laughs> the podcast with uh, Sam, but he gave credit to players who weren't going to be able to play this year yep. because the OHL shut down. And that's the case with Chase Stillman. And we saw it with Brand Clark and we saw it with his brother, Graham. He went over and played overseas and got experience. Well, Chase Stillman did the same thing, different level league, but you know, got to give a kid credit for giving up the comforts to continue to play rather than sit around saying, well, the game will come to me. He chased the game. No pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, and you love you love that because you can see a the passion is there. He wants a he wants to play. I mean, any player that has that passion doesn't want to sit around for a year and do nothing. They want to play, but to go out on a limb like that. I mean, you're going to a foreign land. You're on your own, like truly on your own. We're, we're talking no billets here, no no safeguards. You're on your own, different language, different culture, different food, and and it's, it's there's so much to learn and so many variables. I'm sure he had you know maybe some coaches or some teammates he could lean on, but. For the most part, you're on your own. You got to figure it out, and so it's either sink or swim. And I think a lot of a lot of kids would be shy about doing something like that. But a, you obviously had the cojones to do it and to man up and make the trip, and then b was successful at it. I mean, you got to be a good player too. You can't just say, "Oh, I want to go overseas and play." Like teams have to accept you. They have to like what they see in you as a player and bring you over. So he checked both those boxes and then made the most of a, of a very tough situation. Yeah, draft and follow. We'll see what Chase Stillman brings when uh, we get back, quote unquote, to normal this year. And he'll be able to play in North America. So that was Friday night. That was a lot of excitement, but there was a lot of work to be done in the draft. So we turn our attention to Saturday. Devils did not have a second round pick. They stepped to the podium, so to speak, in the third round. And they take a player that, boy, uh, am I going to tell you I know a lot about him other than what I read? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I don't, but people who do very excited about Samu Salmanin, uh, from Jokerit 
uh, headed to the University of Denver and a player that has excelled wherever he's gone. Uh, your reaction as you spoke uh, with some players or excuse me, people, personnel inside the organization about the pick. Sam, start with you. Um, yeah, the first thing they talk about is his size. He's 6'2", 182 pounds. He's a big kid, but he's also productive. The guy scores. I mean, he had nearly a point and a half per game and with Jokerit. And, you know, you don't usually see young kids playing at that level scoring like that. So he's clearly got some finish. He clearly knows the right places to be. I mean, some skating. There were some question marks about his skating. Could he keep up? Things like that. But he can clearly skate well enough to get into scoring areas and then has the hands to finish. So that's all good. And then you saw it at the U18s where he was propelled up to the top line and he was a, a dominant force, put up incredible numbers. So it just seems like he's the kind of guy when we talk about looking for guys that can finish. I mean, here's a guy that can finish. So you love the size. And I also love that he's going to go take his game and adapt it in college because now, again, you're going against some of the, the strongest you know, next level of competition when it comes to the physicality, the strength of the, the young men in the collegiate game, but also again, going overseas, you know, coming over to a foreign land, foreign country and learning the smaller ice surface. So it's not one of those where you're coming from Europe and you hit the AHL and you've got to adapt to the ice surface and adapt to all those things. Now, once he goes to the college level, then he can make that adaption early so that when he gets either to the AHL or maybe gets a crack at the NHL, he can at least hit the ground running. I think that, you know, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. The <clears throat> commitment to come over to study and to play uh, college hockey will be such an advantage for a young man like that too. I mean, it's exactly what I was going to say. What you said, Sam, is just to be able to go through like what you were talking about with Fitzy, where there's always this plan and he sticks to the plan. And it's all about, you know, getting these players to their highest level. You know, one of the things that, um, I think it was Royce, head of um, European scouting, said, and we have a behind-the-scene clip where where they were talking about Samu. Um, they talked about that. I like that he's committed to. Is it Denver? Is that yeah. where? Yeah. yeah. I like that he's committed to Denver, and it's not for another year, right? He's going to still play next year in Finland and then mm -hmm. come over. Um, you can you can see what an asset that commitment is when scouts are looking at you and might not know too, too much about you. I have Solomon ahead of him. He had the opportunity at the under 18. He stepped on the top line and he produced. He's a two-way guy. <laughs> and he's got, he's got bigger size. He does have size. Who's that? Solomon. And I like the fact that he's going to Denver. If we're able to get him after the I think we want to sit. I agree. Talk, talk me on Salmonen. Salmonen's the big center in the U18. Okay, we're taking Salmonen yeah. stepped up, led the way at center yeah. in the first line. Okay, let's take him. If he's there. Oh, he's there. He is there. <laughs> he's there. Yeah. And by staying for another year playing in the uh, La Liga uh, or SM Liga, he'll. Be, it'll be a second year there. I mean, he was yeah. a kid playing with the big fellas on a regular basis. And now, not because he got drafted, but because he's a year older and more mature, he's going to have a, a, an even bigger role for a, a big team. And the Devils have um, a, a Finnish uh, development coach who's in Helsinki. And so he'll be with this kid on a regular basis. So, like, that's a win-win, I it think, really for is. Samu and for the Devils. 
Yeah, Fitzy said it best. If the kid's available, let's take him. They said, oh, wait, he is available. Let's take him. <laughs> <laughs> As we saw in the behind-the-scenes clip. But Fitzy was sold on him right away, so he said, let's take the kid. And then, as luck would have it, he was there, and now he's the devil. Yeah, exactly. Selected 68th overall. And I, I like that, you know, I, I get a chuckle when people say, well, does he have the speed to to keep up? Listen, not everybody in the National Hockey League skates like Connor McDavid, right? I mean, <laughs> you fact, have to be able to keep up. Like exactly. <laughs> you have to be able to keep up to NHL speed. But, you know, if, you know, what, what do we compare and saying this kid? Well, there's some questions about his foot speed. You know, you can work on it, too. Uh, but obviously, you know, a top 75 pick. It's got some skill. And the size is what's intriguing because, uh, Sam, size is what the Devils were, if not searching for, but at least found by the time this draft was over. Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that I pointed out in my wrap up on, particularly on day two, where all five selections, actually, I think he might have been the, the smallest guy at 6'2", 180 pounds. The rest were 6'2", 6'3", 6'6", 6'3", and 6'2". So, the, yeah, the, you can clearly see there was an emphasis on size. Um, I will say I asked Tom Fitzgerald about that, and he said they weren't necessarily targeting size, but all things being equal, they would obviously take the bigger guy as opposed to the smaller guy. You take the six foot three guy or the five eleven. If all things are equal, um, it's, it's not one of the criteria they give their scouts to look for, but certainly again, trying to be more difficult to play against being more physical, being tougher, tenacious, those things. So size is certainly something they address because like I said, literally that second day, every single one of the five picks selected was six, two or above. And the one selected that you mentioned, the tallest of all of them, Victor Hertig, a defenseman from Sweden that has enormous upside by all reckoning and was a forward until just a couple of years ago. So he's got that offensive mindset, or at least that I'm comfortable uh, offensively. So again, this is what the draft's about. If the Devils connect on that one, boy, that's a that's a huge home run. I think he might end up being, if they develop him and he can reach his ceiling, he could be the steal of the draft. When you look at the, when you look at just the frame of him, again, as you said, he's 6'5", 190-some pounds, um, skates like the wind. He's incredibly mobile. And you're right, he was a forward until he was 15 years old. So he's only been playing defense for three, four years. So very raw, very, very raw. But he still has that forward mindset. I, reading all the scouting reports and even talking with Royce, they said, you know, the guy, he doesn't just like to join the rush. He wants to lead the rush. You know, he, he doesn't just want to pinch in from defense. He wants to drive to the net and be a net front presence. I mean, he's a guy that you can see circling down low sometimes, getting in on the cycle. So, and don't want to put any expectations on it, but it brings to mind a guy like Brent Burns, who's 6'5", can skate like crazy, has that same kind of potential. Again, forward. He played forward as well, can kind of a swing type player. So when you see, I mean, you don't see a defenseman too often being a net front presence. So something to think about. But again, it's going to take. He's a he's a project. Let's be. He's only been playing defense for three years. In fact, it was only because his dad was his coach, and they ran out of defensemen. So he said, "Hey, we need you to play defense." So he's like, "Okay." Dad said, "Play defense." So I play defense. And now he's drafted into the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Pretty so cool. he's. He's certainly going to be a project. He's only been playing a position a couple of years, so he might be three, two, three, four years down the road to really develop. But like I said, if he can reach his ceiling, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid. And a sixth round, you take a flyer on a kid, especially a draft that's so unknown like this. 
Um, it, it was a low risk with a really high reward. And so I think he's the most intriguing pick. And if all things pan out, he could be the steal of this draft. It'll be interesting to follow him. And who knows, like Brent Burns, maybe there are like, was it alpacas or goats or what? Oh, what, like what, snakes, and snakes, you know, what, reptiles. What, what, what was the gift he got from San Jose? <laughs> I forget it, but he did. Anyway, Brent Burns, what a character. Nice guy, too. Nice guy. And so he was selected 164 at 129. Uh, to Villain, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing his name right. Jacob Malik went a goaltender from the uh, Czech Junior Leagues. He was 100th. And then Zakhar Bartikov was the final selection of the draft. But these are all got final selection for the Devils in their uh, draft. But all of these players are really ones you have to have uh, an eye on down the road. Let's see what happens. You know, who knows? Maybe there's a Jesper Brad, a sixth rounder, or a Yegar Sharangovich, who was a fifth round pick. You just don't know. They're not all first round players who make an impact in the National Hockey League. Or a Pavel Datsuk, right? Wasn't he drafted little later than maybe he would go <laughs> this time around. Sure. Henrik Zetterberg, yeah. yeah. Zetterberg and Datsu. Oh, no, yeah. you're right. And it's especially as both Matt, you and Sam mentioned, because of how different this year was, the limited eyeballs on players, right? Like it's one thing to watch video. It's another thing to, you know, pass an eye test. Um, there's so many unknowns that could make this, in five, six years from now, one of the most fun drafts to go back and look at and see where everyone sort of panned out in the end. Because Amanda that, mentioned this too. About. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, Amanda kind of mentioned this too, the, the limitations on scouting and the eyeballs. It also didn't, it wasn't lost on me that all five players selected on day yeah. two were Europeans. So when you're looking at scenarios, obviously the OHL didn't play a whole season, the WHL, Q, limited schedules, smaller schedules. So the European leagues were the ones that played the most games. You got the most chance to see some of these players. And and I also have to credit the devils for investing a lot in their European scouting system. Some teams don't really invest a lot in the European scouting system. So they had a lot of, a lot of eyes able to see these guys. And maybe it was happenstance that they ended up taking all Europeans. Maybe they just had better books on these guys. Or maybe they just felt more comfortable with these guys because they have seen more and they can better project them out to be. But it certainly wasn't lost to me that literally all five guys are from overseas. Well, now, if you're going to take a flyer, I'm sorry, if you're going to take a flyer and that's maybe not the right term, but if you're going to select a guy with the, with the notion that he's going to have to develop better, the devil, you yeah. know, than the devil you don't, right. You've seen in place. So you say, all right, I'm comfortable that he yeah. could get there with this kind of work. Somebody who hasn't played, that's even more of a risk. So uh, you're taking somewhat of a risk when you select anybody, but, it's with the more knowledge behind it. So I, I understand that fully. So Maddie, my question to you is when the draft is going on like this, and particularly when you have like these European players or, you know, with names that maybe we're not as familiar with, do you like instantly like go look at a highlight to see how to pronounce their name or like <laughs> what? Like, I'm just wondering from like a broadcaster's perspective, because they won't all end up here, but you'll still probably have to say their names. And I know how much pride particularly broadcasters take in mm -hmm. being like, this is how you say their name. Did do you do that at all? When I do. Absolutely. I, I try to find a video. It's not that hard. You go on YouTube yeah. and, and you find it. Um, and I try to find video where the language spoken is their native tongue. So yeah. it's from the league they're playing in. And then I have to play it back a few times just to catch it. And the truth is, 
there's a way that you pronounce a name in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Jakob or whatever it is, but the emphasis is on one letter that we in North America just can't get. So it's not always perfect, but yeah, absolutely. I look it up and then I ask the player. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always going to the source for sure. And then exactly. And then somebody like, uh, say Victor Hurtick will say, Oh, just, you know, just call me a Hurtick. Is that, well, is that how it's pronounced? Well, yeah, no, but I, that's not, how, that's not how it's pronounced, but just say that. You're like, wait, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> like, that's not my Jacob Josephson. Once I asked him, I said, uh, tell me how you pronounce your name. And he says, Oh, you won't be able to get it. I said, well, just, just give me a try. He goes, Josephson. I said, I think I can get that. I think I can get that one. And then and then he was Jacob and Jacob and it changed. But I, I, I give me a shot. Give me a chance. Yeah, He's at least give you a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder about before. that. Maybe though, he did but... some research with some YouTube video of a, a goal call. And he said, this guy will never get my name. I've heard him butcher others. So who knows? But it's just I, was, I always feel like uh, anytime there's a name Simon, you know, whether it's, you know, Simon, 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 like, Every time there's a Simon, whether it's Czech or French Canadian or whatever, it's always pronounced differently. And it's always the subtle things like Simon, 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 yeah. like, and, and every guy says it differently. And you're kind of like, huh? What's Yeah. What's yeah. I mean, that's variable? always what I think about when some of these names come across the board. I'm like, I mean, look, for example, Maddie, I know we're like getting a little off track here, off track here, but last year's draft, Shakir Mukamadulin, right? Like I can say that name perfectly now. But I cannot tell you like how often I had to like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I remember seeing it come across the board and be like, I got to interview this kid in five minutes. Like thankfully <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. calling him by his first name, you know? Exactly. And they want to make it easier on it, on you too. Sometimes they just say, look, yeah. just go this way and, and uh, it'll be okay. But uh, yeah, so that's what I do. I do a little, a little video work. Well, uh, we did get a little off topic there, but it was entertaining and it's all about this draft. And, you know, I'm excited to see, we won't know for five years, the totality yep. of the draft. We'll know about a Luke Hughes a little sooner. Uh, we may very well know about a Chase Silman or a Sal, a Samu Salmon and, a little sooner because they seem to be a, a little closer to getting here, but you know, we'll judge this draft in a few years and, and we'll see, maybe there's some surprises there, right? We mentioned Brad and Sharon Govich who dropped for a variety of reasons, but once the doors open, I think that's, that's the yeah. message. Every, every draft uh, it, it person, everyone who's drafted is left with, and run with it. Right. Now the doors open. It's up to you. Yeah. Go for it, man. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So an exciting weekend for the New Jersey Devils, and it precedes another exciting period. We hope it's filled with a lot of excitement. That's free agency. But that's our wrap-up of the draft, which took place for 2021. And that will wrap things up for this edition of Speak of the Devils. Sam and Amanda, thanks very much for your time and your insights and the great work that you do. Maddie, I am now including you in on the A-team. Yes. You passed the test. And it's an honorary membership, but but it can be revoked. So you have to you have to keep your level of play high. I like it. Listen, the bar is there for me to uh keep Meanwhile, Maddie's been around like this team longer than any of us. I know, yeah. And we, by the way, I have invited myself to, like we could say that. <laughs> and by the way, as you can I've invited myself to more parties. Woo. I love it. I love it. That, I wasn't initially on the list, but hey, you got to be able to you got to be able to push forward. Anyway, that will wrap things up for Sam Kassan and Amanda Stein. I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks so much. Speaking of the Devils, our podcast uh, brought to you by our good friends and the official health care provider at RWJ Barnabas Health. 
uh, for our producer, Andrew McLean, who does great work as well. Again, uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Speak of the Devils. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at pseg.com slash gas safety.